Greetings, cadets. Thanks for tuning in to the Subether Radio Band on your Astro Helmets for a little bit of extra conversation that followed on from last Monday's episode with special guest Stephen Robles of the Apple Insider Podcast. Consider this a little parting gift before our final regular episode, which will be out this Monday, May 9th, as usual. There's a special announcement coming up from us on that one, so attendance is mandatory. Thanks, and see you then. The European Union, we talked about this before, but apparently they're going to charge Apple with breaking the law over there with Apple Pay because only Apple Pay can use the company's NFC technology. You know what? You use right and Apple's wrong. (laughs) Apple absolutely need to open up that NFC. It's not their technology in the first place, actually. Right. So why are they not allowing other third-party payment systems like PayPal, like Google Pay, so on, to be able to be used? Google Pay is about the only Google app you can't get on an iPhone. So this is kind of ridiculous. Yes, yes. And this works both ways, you know. The EU could also require Android phones to be able to use Apple Pay, conceivably. I would be curious, though, too, because you also have things like the ultra-wideband chip in the iPhone, which they might say is proprietary. That is something Apple supposedly developed in the U1. Right. But then where does it end? Should third parties be able to use the U1 chip? Like Tile. Yeah, I'm sure Tile would be interested in using the ultra wideband chip. But I do agree. The NFC, especially on the Apple Watch, seems like there's so much potential that's locked down. I can't even scan an NFC tag with my Apple Watch. Right. And that's something where I do a lot of shortcut automations by scanning NFC. And I would love for my watch to be able to just hold it up to an NFC tag and run a shortcut or do something automatically. And so I do think the NFC ecosystem in Apple's devices needs to open up a little more. I agree. Yes, absolutely. This is an antitrust charge, and I think Apple's dead to rights wrong about it. So there you go. There it is. You should allow third-party payment systems to use it. You just put them through the usual vetting system to make sure they're not doing anything surreptitious. Google Pay and PayPal and whatnot aren't. So just let this go, Apple. (laughs) Not to quote Disney again. (laughs) Now, Stephen, do you have the Apple Studio display? I do not. I have the Mac Studio, not the Studio display. I'm so envious. (laughs) But apparently the third developer beta of macOS Monterey 12.4 included an update for the Studio display that helps. Andrew over at Apple Insider tested it, and it obviously makes him more handsome. (laughs) So I'm going to say yes, but it doesn't look like they've fixed everything. And this is more than a month later. So at this point, I think Apple came out and said, oh, yeah, we can fix all that in software or firmware at least. And then they went, got in there and said, oh, wait, there's a hardware issue. Yeah, this is one of those things where Apple has been careful not to say fix in any of their PR or Mm -hmm. their statements regarding this update. It's been improvements. Refinements. And so I think there was actually a great comparison by James Thompson on Twitter. He's the maker of PCalc. Oh, right. And he compared the studio display pre-update with the update and then compared to the iMac Pro camera. And it is an incredible difference how good the iMac Pro camera looks to the studio display. And I think it's strictly the choice of putting that ultra wide lens in there for center stage, as opposed to just kind of a standard, we'll say wide 12 megapixel lens without trying to do the center stage stuff. I honestly think now seeing all the comparisons, it might have been a better choice to not do an ultra wide with center stage and just mimic like the iMac Pro camera that gives you a good quality image. Right. Because honestly, someone who buys a studio display is most likely just sitting at their desk. And I don't know if center stage would be as useful. You know, I get it on an iPad. You might set that on your kitchen counter, walk around the kitchen. Well, you never know when the family's going to walk in. 
you know. Yeah, but I mean, if you're getting a studio display, I imagine you have another device that could do center stage. The cheapest iPad yeah. could do center stage now. And again, if your priority is center stage and not quality, then just set up your iPad and do the FaceTime call with that instead of studio display. I understand it's a bigger screen, so, you know, it'd be nicer for that. But I don't know. I think if Apple didn't include center stage, no one would have said anything. Yeah. No one would have been like, oh, they should have included center stage. I don't think anybody would have said that. Oh, somebody would have. Well, yeah, okay, maybe somebody. <laughs> I think there would have been a lot less controversy if it was just the other way around. If they use something like the iMac Pro camera, right. get an equal image quality without center stage. By the way, note to Apple as well as Zoom and the other similar programs. First of all, Apple, if you're going to go with center stage, which is an awesome technology for when the family walks into the room and all that, you also need dog and cat recognition. Uh. <laughs> and Zoom, if Apple makes that available, you need to tap into it because I am telling you that if a dog or cat walks in on your Zoom call, nobody cares about you anymore. They want to see the dog. That's right. <laughs> Ruined many a company calls, I'm sure. No, this is enhanced many a company. Enhanced, excuse me. That's right. That's right. Whoa, dog. Oh, doggy. <laughs> so, hey, yeah, that's the best part of any corporate meeting. Yes. I'm promising you right now. So, yeah, you need to get on that. Do you remember that clip? I think it was a CNN reporter. It was a guy at home and his toddler burst into the room. Yes. And then behind the report, you see the mom trying to get the toddler. Yes. I almost wish center stage existed at that moment. Yes. And focused on the mom yeah. <laughs> in that moment just to see what was going on. That was an incredible video. That was great. Turning to some disappointing news, turns out Apple has hired some lawyers at Littler Mendelssohn as different Apple store retail employees start the process of unionizing. And I'm disappointed about this because Littler Mendelssohn is a very anti-union firm. Mm. Apple has never come out as a strongly anti-union company, but they've also never been enthusiastically pro-union either. But in particular for the retail workers, they seem to be pulling out some big guns. And that's a shame because I think that really, ultimately, unionization in the Apple retail stores in particular, I think would actually benefit almost everybody. But this is the law firm that is why McDonald's wasn't able to unionize. Mm. The only problem is The Verge reported on this story and they quoted an anonymous Apple retail employee right. saying that unionization from the start in retail is probably a good thing. And I certainly agree with that. But he says pay is so unequal at the stores. And if he's talking about people who are making more because their position or something like that, that's one thing. But pay is unequal across the retail chain for a lot of reasons. Gainesville, Florida, you don't need to pay people as much as you do in New York City. Simple as that, really. And I think any unions would actually be aware of that, despite the fact that the Manhattan one wants to pay everybody at least $30 an hour. Mm. We talked about this last week, but the summary is, yeah, you're in New York City at Grand Central Station. Mm, you probably do need $30 an hour just to park your car. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, I don't even know if you'll break even in New York City. Yeah. And especially with Apple just printing money, essentially, it seems a bit petty. Yeah. In other tech news, speaking of petty, Epic Games, mm. they bought Bandcamp a while back and that broke my heart because Bandcamp is awesome. So far, Bandcamp remains awesome because the co-founder, Ethan Diamond, is still there. Mm. When he leaves, forget it. They're going to ruin it. But anyway, never mind. 
They've filed a preliminary injunction because Google has finally clamped down on Bandcamp. Bandcamp's been using its own billing system, which is set up around PayPal, apparently, Uh for years in the Google Play Store, even though that was against the rules, because Google let them, essentially. And now they're saying, no, Bandcamp and other apps like it, other music services, will have to exclusively use Google Pay billing for payments for digital goods and services and pay a revenue share to Google. So that's bad. And so naturally, Epic has a problem with that. Not surprising. Even though the cut that Google wants from Bandcamp and music services like it is only 10%. Yeah, rather than the 30 Yeah, Yeah, Epic, look, I agree with you about the forcing of the having to use Google Play billing. I'm with you. But if you're going to be in a store, you owe that store some rent, some rent. We can quibble about exactly what that percentage should be if you like, Mm. but (laughs) some rent is due. And Epic just feels like they should just be in there for nothing and all the other stores for nothing, except when it comes to them. (laughs) <laughs> well, I wonder why doesn't Epic then just encourage people to sideload Bandcamp where there would be no Play Store rules because that was the argument they were using. It is a website. It is that too. You know, right, right from there. But that was the argument Epic was making with Apple was that Epic needed its own Play Store, like sideloading needs to be available so people didn't have to go through the App Store. And it's like, it's interesting that they're just straight up fighting this and not fighting for sideloading like they did against Apple. The Verge article is interesting because it also reveals some internal app emails that have been revealed through court discovery that show that Epic deliberately sets these traps. They absolutely pre-plan this. They absolutely feel like this is the goal. And in one Epic email, the goal here is to draw Google into a legal battle over antitrust. Oh, my word. And their own marketing director says that's going to be fun. Oh, my goodness. I don't know, man. This Tim Sweeney, he's a... He's a piece of work. He's a character (laughs) for sure. But anyway, so we'll keep an eye on that for you for as long as we can, which is not too much longer, I'm sorry to say. In quick notes, we just got a bunch of things to blow through very quickly. Yes. And one of them is Ireland. And this is the nice news. There was a big scandal regarding Ireland. There have been a couple of scandals regarding Ireland and Apple for some time, mostly about the tax rate, but also there was a smaller scandal about Apple wanted to build another facility, a server farm there, and the community they picked said no. And that's still going on. But the facility in Cork, Ireland was never really part of the tax scandal. That does happen to be where Apple is designated as European headquarters because of favorable tax advantages until the EU stepped in. Okay, fine. They haven't closed the Cork facility because it actually goes back to the earliest days of the Mac. And it has been a big facility for a long time doing a lot of different things. At one time, it actually manufactured Macs. So the facility in Cork, Ireland is actually getting another building on the grounds dedicated to product testing. They are expanding the Cork facility and hiring more people. This will be about 300 new workers. It's just really nice to see that they're not, oh, well, Ireland's not an attractive tax haven anymore. We're leaving. Wow. Like so many other companies would do. But one of the reasons they said that they wanted to do this was 40 years of history in Cork. Right. The expertise that's available in that area as a result. For sure. And the quality of the existing Cork team. They just got some great people, total of 680 right now. Oh, that's wonderful. And the diverse team, diversity of expertise. They really wanted to expand the Cork facility. And I just think this is super nice to hear. Yeah, that's wonderful. Love that. Apple TV Plus. Both Stephen and I are big fans of a lot of Apple TV Plus, and so I want to start off with a couple of awards they've won. Yes. The Television Academy Honors have recognized the year Earth changed, the Apple TV Plus documentary, with an award celebrating its impact on social change, of course. Hmm. Other things that also won were Dope Sick, 
It's a Sin, which is a fantastic series from Russell T. Davies, who's about to take over Doctor Who again. Nice. And Reservation Dogs, which is a U.S. comedy about life on reservations among the indigenous Americans. Mm. It's fantastic, by the way. So if you haven't found it, go find it. It was very good. Yeah. And also, I think I mentioned this earlier in an earlier episode, but Apple TV did pick up two BAFTAs Correct. for Television Craft Awards. One for the 9-11 documentary that they did quite a while back, which was actually excellent. I approached it with great trepidation because this is nothing I want to revisit, but I watched it anyway and it was really good. And then the second one is 1971, which is a music documentary. The year music changed everything, as it was called. And you know what? They're right. And it was awesome. <laughs> have you seen it? I have not seen that. I'll have to check that out. I did see the, the 9-11 documentary. And next on my list was the year the world changed. Yeah. So I want to see that. Oh, yeah. I should have. Have you seen Severance, though? I'm just curious. I've watched a couple of episodes and I'm very disturbed by it. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, it is very disturbing. For sure. I'm hesitant. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of creeped out. And this is not the normal kind of thing I like. I'm going to give it a couple more episodes more to try and draw me in because so many of my friends have said, yeah, 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 just wait. So, all right. I don't particularly enjoy horror and things like that and things that are creepy. Right. Out. This is like right on the line, maybe a little over. And if it wasn't so good later in the season, I might not have made it through. But I, I would encourage you to keep trudging a little bit. See, there you go. Another person saying, yeah. hang on, stay with it. And I listen, I hate when people do that because it's like, okay. if it's a good show, it should be good from the beginning. But I will say all right. the payoff on this one is worth it. And it's not a huge long season. You know, I think it's what, eight, eight episodes. So. I think it's worth it. When Heather and I started watching Schmigadoon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We were like, the first episode I said, I said, okay, I got the number on this show. I see exactly what this is about, right? For sure. It's a pastiche of musicals from the 1950s. Awesome. But as I stayed with it, we were like, oh, this went in a direction I didn't expect. This went in a direction I didn't expect. These right. characters developed beyond, let's say, what a 1950s musical would have done with them. And yeah, it turned out just to be a terrific show. Yeah, love that. Speaking of terrific shows, but difficult to watch. <laughs> The problem with Jon Stewart, mm. of course, it's not going to do as well as The Daily Show because A, Trevor Noah is doing a great job over there and B, The Daily Show is still on. But the problem with Jon Stewart also isn't quite the laugh fest that John Oliver's similar show on HBO is. But it is an in-depth panel show that tackles huge problems like poverty, racism, war, mm. that sort of thing. Right. And I am pleased to say that Jon Stewart has been awarded the Mark Twain Prize for Humor, which is about as high an award for humor as you can get right. if you are a socially aware comedian in the world. So he's received the Mark Twain Prize, hmm. part for his longstanding satirical political comedy and part for his activism for veterans and 9-11 emergency workers, of which he has been astonishingly effective. So good job. John. Wow, very cool. I do hope it gets people to pay more attention to the problem with John Stewart, like Severance, only in a completely different way. It is not easy watching, but it is important watching. And apparently, right. there was a leaker at Apple who said that it actually outperformed the Oprah conversation. Really? Yeah. On Apple TV Plus. Whoa. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Well, he does have a lot of pull because he got a lot of goodwill from doing The Daily Show. True. Speaking of goodwill, Apple TV Plus has also announced that they're going to be doing a movie, I think it's going to be, or at least a nonfiction project, might be a limited series, yes. about Michael J. Fox. And it's going to involve Michael J. Fox. It's going to be full of archive footage covering his entire life. Yes. This should be pretty awesome. He, he is a performer who has not been able to do very much thanks to his medical condition, but he does still have his hand in. And the amount of love people have for him 
for all that he has done over the years is enormous. So this should be very successful at pulling even more people in to Apple TV+. And speaking of which, peanuts. <laughs> Apple TV Plus has announced yet another new, all new peanuts trailer. And this one's called To Mom, in parentheses, and Dad, close parentheses, because mom gets all the love <laughs> with love. So it's To Mom and Dad with Love, a new peanut special that's going to debut on Mother's Day. And it's going to actually explore some of the backstory of Peppermint Patty. Oh, oh wow. Ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so this should be interesting. I will say that because I was a kid that grew up with some of these peanut specials. Maybe you did too. Yeah. But Apple has handled these unbelievably sensitively. Excellent child actors. They're using the same kind of music. If you watched and loved those old peanut specials, you will watch and love these new ones. Yeah. I look forward to that. And I believe that even the new peanut specials, they are also shared with PBS. So if you don't have Apple TV Plus for some reason, maybe you'll be able to see this on PBS, but they're worth seeing. Yeah, absolutely. 